0: hello and welcome to myth Mythmakers myth Makers is the podcast for fantasy fans and fantasy creatives brought to you by the oxford center for fantasy my name is julia golding i'm an author but i also run the center and today i'm joined by someone from the publishing world uh, so please meet daniel seaton who works for a very interesting publisher in the UK called the Pushkin Press. So, hello to Daniel.
1: Hello. Thanks very much for having me on. It's very
0: exciting. So, many people who are um, you know, keen on fantasy could imagine themselves working in the world of publishing fantasy books and other kinds of books. So, how did you, as a, as a young man, actually get into publishing? What was your route?
1: Well, I, th- I suspect it's quite a common route, really. Um, uh, university, I, I studied French and philosophy, um, so I came out of university without, a, you know, a, an obvious. There was no obvious career path for that um, degree necessarily, so I always had to think about, you know, what do I really love, and what I really loved was reading and books, and have done since for all my life, really, all my all my life that I can remember. Um, and um, and so I started working in publishing. and um, because of uh, I've been studying a language at university, it seemed natural to go into um, the area of publishing that focuses on translations,, um, which is what I did. Um, and after a few years, I ended up at Pushkin Press. Uh, almost that's coming up for twelve years now, twelve years ago that i um that I came here, and now I'm an editor. And in that time, we've really gone from strength to strength. It's been a great place to work.
0: So, what is the place of fantasy within the raft of things that you publish at Pushkin?
1: Well, we—it's not. We don't specialize in in publishing fantasy. Um, we're not that sort of publisher. But um, I think there are elements of fantasy in all of the different strands of what we publish. Uh, so, what we originally um, were founded to publish and what we we were best known for is um translated classic literature from from across the world um and that was what we, we were publishing when we were first founded in 1997 but since then we've really broadened out and now we um we have a we publish a lot of um contemporary literature uh as well as uh we have a children's list and a crime and thrillers list as well and i actually acquire and publish across all of those lists and i suppose there's there's fantastical elements in lots of those titles and lots of those uh, imprints but really it's the children's list which has the most the largest element of fantasy in it and the one that actually i i think i enjoy acquiring for the most it's um something that i'm starting to focus on yeah we publish a lot of uh, wonderful fantasy novels from all over the world on that list
0: so perhaps you could give uh, the listeners an idea of what what some of those titles might be that um fall into that category
1: well for example I think the most the most successful title on our children's list since we founded it has been a Dutch classic called the Letter for the King by an author called tonque um it's a wonderful i mean it's it's fantasy in the sense that it's set in uh, not in our world but it's a fantasy perhaps a bit like a bit like Game of Thrones, purely in the sense that the fantastical, magical elements are quite downplayed. So it's quite a realistic fantasy, which I think is quite is quite Dutch, really. Um, it's a very taut, fast-paced adventure story about a young uh, squire who wants to become a knight. And to do that, he has to deliver a letter to the king of a far-off land. And there are all these other knights trying to stop him. It's really just a breathless story. And it's a huge classic in the Netherlands, across the world, and we published it with great success in the UK and it was recently adapted by Netflix for a brilliant series as well. So that's one example. Um, Another example would be um, another book from the Netherlands, actually. (laughs) It's it's interesting because when I I speak to people from the Netherlands, they often say that fantasy is something that is quite lacking from um, Dutch literature in general. That's often very realistic. But um, I think perhaps because of them, when a Dutch fantasy novel does emerge, it's often very special. And that's the case for a book called uh, *Lampy* that we published a couple of years back by an author called Annette Sharp. It ended up being the first translated book to be shortlisted for the Carnegie um, Medal in the UK. Uh, and that's a wonderful Gothic secret garden-esque uh, fantasy novel about a young girl with mermaids and pirates and it's very rich and um astute on a level of character as well like like the sink that was a, a big influence for annette when she was writing it but like, i really love that book and we've got her next book coming out um this awesome which is called the girls um which is a collection of stories actually i um, mean the
0: the reason we got to know each other is that you very kindly were sending me some of these wonderful books to review yes. and i remember that one very much but the one that i remember of course is my favorite ape
1: oh the murderer's ape yeah i almost didn't yeah. mention that because it's so i mean that is i think perhaps my favorite book on that we've ever published across all of our all of our imprints it's so amazing it's um the author is uh swedish and it's like a a, um, a very rich, old-fashioned kind of nineteen twenty set adventure in a kind of Tintin esque style. And um, the one fantastical element of it really is that the protagonist is a is a gorilla called Sally Jones, who uh, who um, she can't speak, but she can understand everything that humans say. And she, alongside humans in their world, and she actually works as a mechanic on on board a boat. Um, <laughs> Uh, which enables us to sail around the world and have lots of adventures. And it's really just an amazing, an amazing, richly detailed adventure of the type that I think we don't see enough of these days. And it's beautifully illustrated as well. It has about 100 gorgeous, detailed illustrations by the author in it. Um, and um, we're publishing the paperback edition of the sequel, um, Sally Jones and the False Rose, this autumn, which is another... Just as good as the Murderers' Ape, and in which Sally Jones comes to Glasgow. In fact, So it's UK based. Um, yeah, the re- only reason I didn't mention that right away is because uh, you know uh, the only fantastical element, if you could call it that, is that she's a a, a gorilla, <laughs> which is you know, and it's it does it's an extremely popular, good
0: it? yeah, it does an extremely good <laughs> job of persuading you that it's a hi- historical adventure. Yes, and you have to exactly. actually take a step back and think. Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. <laughs> would would a gorilla really be able to be a mechanic? Is this not actually yeah. a form of animal fable in a way? And it is actually. I um, will put my hand up. It's my when it, when anyone says, "What's your favorite children's book you've read in the last decade?" It's that one. I right. so oh, you know, nice I absolutely it. adore it. The other thing I, I I like about both that and the Lampy story and others is. Um, illustration because it struck me that whereas in the UK you might get chapter vignettes or whatever it's quite rare for a publisher unless you're doing an illustrated book of the sort of children you know younger end of the market people don't spend on the illustrations where whereas the European editions that you're translating seem to have the most wonderful um, place for illustrations am I right in thinking that is that something that you've noticed
1: uh Yes, I mean, um, well, in the case of those two books, the the authors did the illustrations as well. So, um, an Annette Sharp, for example, and I think both Annette Sharp, author of Lampy, and the Jacob Wigellius, author of The Murderer's Ape, were they started out as illustrators before they, um, you know, started writing these novels for children. So, um, yeah, so the book, the story, the illustrations came with the came with the novels. Um, it was already a package um, but it's true there's i think there's some um, i think in the uk we have this culture whereby we have picture books for younger children and then there's a cutoff and you have novels for you know around about eight seven or eight where you start having novels with with not so many pictures in them whereas in on the continent in Europe I see more of a continuum with um perhaps they're just just text getting longer and longer and the picture taking slightly more of a back. But there's still that mix like all the way through Um, something we could learn from. Definitely.
0: I mean, it's not to say there isn't a place because obviously there's a whole new range of graphic novels where, you know, the balance is obviously towards pictures and what have you, but it does seem as though for sort of common or garden novelists like me, that I'd love to have more opportunity to work with illustrators in that middle group, the middle grade book because when you think of the fantasy greats like um, oh I don't know, Lion mm-hmm. and the Witch and the Wardrobe it's in my head I can't separate it from the Pauline Baines line drawings and of course Tolkien, <coughs> Tolkien himself was his own best illustrator yeah. um, and we all know if I said yeah. oh yes, Smaug on the treasure heap, everybody knows what I'm talking about so I, I think that the example coming yeah. in from Europe is yeah. one that I'd love to see more frequently used, really give give illustrators some jobs. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so, yeah. what do you Definitely. think are the main shifts in publishing, uh, particularly as regards fantasy? I mean, I'm talking across the board because we don't just do children's fantasy. We're we're looking through the whole range yeah. of ages on books. Where is it going at the moment in 2022?
1: Well, that's a big question. And, it, you know, as, a, as an editor, I'm not a specialist in, in fantasy per se, so it's not it's not my whole focus. But it seems to me like one of the most interesting developments in fantasy literature is it's kind of linked to the one of the biggest trends over the past few years in um, publishing, which is just bringing in a more diverse range of voices. And I think that the effect that has in fantasy is that you we're seeing all these. Um, fantasy worlds with just different kind of cultural flavours to them that is so exciting and um, and so interesting I I think um, perhaps because of the great success of Tolkien and other authors like that almost got to thinking that fantasy means this medieval um, magical world whereas in fact what we're getting to experience now is it, it was all these fantasies worlds influenced by um, different cultures and different um, mythologies and beliefs and, and histories, um, which I think is, which I think is really exciting. Um, we published a these um, fantasy novel on our list um, a few years back. that was very successful called the beast player by the And I think what people um, really responded to, and that is that the, um, the fantasy world is just so richly imagined and detailed, but not in the way that um, that you know Western fantasy readers are necessarily used to. Um, it's really. Fascinating. I can
0: remember. I can remember the experience of watching *Spirited Away*. You know that wonderful um, Japanese yes. film from I think it's now from the early 2000s. so it's quite yeah. old now. Anyway, or late nineteen nineties. I remember watching this, thinking, "I have not seen this before." was no. nothing here <laughs> that I've seen before the imagery the the pacing everything was just delightfully different and appealing yeah. so yeah. Yeah, I agree with you this it's very good to have the formulas shaken up or well, the formulas exploded because new things are coming in and mm. when we're teaching yes. um people on our fantasy course one of the very first things we're looking at is what's in your what's in your own background and the place you live, The your own stories that yeah. haven't been used yeah. before. And it's really exciting if someone comes up with, oh, well, you know, I'm from a Native American background or I'm from uh, Australia or whatever. You get new ideas coming through, which is, yeah. you know, that's what we're about. We're about new creativity. Yeah. So uh, but you- what about... The different flavors of fantasy from um, different countries that you see, because I mean, I can say in crime, like we all know about Scandi Noir and cozy crime from the UK and so on. So you can sort of say there are different flavors in the sort of crime and detective world. Um, What would you, you know, you've mentioned Holland or the Netherlands a couple of times. Do you feel there are sort of different flavors you're getting from different parts of the world as they come across your desk in translation?
1: Yes, well, I certainly... It certainly seems that um, some countries have some, got very rich traditions um, that I enjoy you know, delving into. Uh, I mean, because I did French at university, I suppose that uh, it's so natural that I end up reading quite a lot of French uh, fantasy submissions. And the, the... The real... The breadth of the imagination is really impressive. It's very... Um, Very creative.
0: Thank you for listening to part one of this week's podcast. Come back next week to hear part two. Thank you for listening to Mythmakers.
1: Thanks for listening to Mythmakers Podcast. Brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. Visit oxfordcentreforfantasy.org to join in the fun. Find out about our online courses, in person stays in Oxford, plus visit our shop for great gifts. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever you find your favourite podcasts worldwide.
0: Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to? find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer, or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace, starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing.